Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So uh, today, John chapter 14, I'm not going to read a lot of that because some of the scripture is going to be on the screen as I preach uh, to you this morning and teach to you. But if you want, please go there and read the text. It's a really great uh, text where Jesus is getting ready to leave the disciples and he's telling them that he's going away uh, to prepare a place. In other words, he's going to his next assignment. He came to earth. He's about to wrap his uh, time up on earth and finish that assignment of uh, purchasing us uh, through the blood of Jesus, through his blood. Uh, Then his next assignment is he's going to prepare a place for you and me. He said he would send another comforter, another teacher, uh, and that's Holy Spirit, who is the active uh, part of God in the world today. And the disciples were uh, perplexed. They didn't know where he was going. They're like, where are you going? And he's like, you know where I'm going. You've been with me for three years. And they're like, no, we don't know where you're going. If we knew, we wouldn't be asking you, where, where are you going? And he says, you know where I'm going. You know the way. And they're like, we don't know the way. And he's like, have you really been with me this whole time? And you don't know the way. And he's like, you, surely you know the way. So anyway, you can go and you can read that. And this, this uh, whole discourse right here between uh, Jesus and his disciples, he's basically saying, you know, the way, the way way is me. You know, you've, you should know this. You've been with me this whole time. And we, a, a lot of times I used to look down on them and I, uh, you know, what I, I'm like, how, I mean, y'all are with Jesus. How can you not know these things? You are his most intimate and trusted people. But then being a pastor for many years, I, a lot of times will see people and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just surprised and shocked that they are where they are spiritually because they've been in the faith for so long. And while that might sound judgmental, there is a precedent in scripture where Paul said, brothers and sisters, come on, you, sh- you are still sucking on your mom's breast. You should be way beyond this at this point. You haven't been tr- weaned uh, from, from breastfeeding. You're still on the milk of the word. You need to, to be more mature. You should be eating meat of the word at this point. And so the disciples, you know, they're having to basically grow up really quick. (laughs) They're having, I mean, three years might seem like a lot of time, but it's not. And Jesus, he wasn't like, uh, you know, we are. We'll, we'll, we'll give somebody a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance and a sixth chance. And I'm not talking about mercy. I'm talking about before you hand off the assignment. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Jesus is like, my time's up. I'm fixing to go. Tag, you're it. Whether you are ready or not, I am leaving. And they weren't ready. Now, I mean, when you think about it, they weren't ready in the sense that they got everything perfect. They were ready in the sense that they were chosen, they were equipped, and they were, they, they were capable of doing it the work of the ministry, or we wouldn't be here 2,000 plus years later on the face of the planet with Christianity being the largest religion on the planet. Like that all stemmed from those guys. So, 
I mean, they did a pretty good job. They bumbled a few things there for, for, and fumbled it for a little bit, but, but they got their bearings, and they've done an incredible job. And here we are through apostolic succession all these years later, right here at uh, 28328 County Road 13 in Daphne, good old redneck Alabama, right here celebrating the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So in this series, you can go uh, read that in John chapter 14. We're talking about the image of Christ because we're made in the image of Christ. Uh, just, that's just a quick, hey, we're one more week away from uh, our fast being over. Thank you so much uh, for doing the fast with us. However you're doing it, we appreciate you doing that. And those of you who online are watching, doing it with us, um, this next week is going to be fun because I don't know, I don't know how you uh, have been in, in your fast. If you've kind of been following along with the devotions that I send out, I know you've probably been like, are we ever going to pray like for needs, but usually that's what people focus on. Like they're, you know, they're my needs, I, I, I want to go to God in supplication. And we've not really been doing that in our fast. The first week, we just spent time in God's presence. The second week, we just declared the names of the Lord over our prayers. Now this week, we're gonna get into the actual prayers and supplication and intercession. So y'all get ready and uh, let's dive into some incredible prayers. But going back to the series, this series uh, is, is about us being the image bearers of Jesus. It's really kind of the debut series where uh, we are unfolding the declaration that we just said a few minutes ago. God wants the world to see Jesus in us. And so we'll live a reflection of his glory. That's a, a life that glorifies God. And so we can't do that if we don't know what the image is supposed to look like. If we don't know what Christ looks like, then we don't know what we're supposed to reflect or how we're supposed to reflect it. And so Today, I just want to share with you this amazing statement that Jesus makes. He makes in the book of John, he makes seven I am statements. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am uh, the light of the world. I am uh, the righteousness of God. I am the door. He goes on and, and lists several more, but he makes this statement and he says, I am the door or the gate. He's talking about being the good shepherd. And he says, I am the door, like I'm the door that everybody comes through and those who come in through me will be saved. So Jesus, he's making this really bold statement. He says, I am the door. And if you come through me, you come through the door. If you come through Christ, you'll be saved. You will have a relationship with God, the father. Okay. So Jesus, he's the way. Like, but he goes on and he makes this audacious statement. Look at this one. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Like, a door is good for, for a, a few things, but three things in particular. You can go in a door. You can go out a door. And if it's an interior door, you can go through a door from one room to the other room. So you can go in, you can go out, and you can go through. 
And Jesus says, hey guys, I'm the way in. Not only that, but I'm the only way in. Guys, we live in an age where um, this is not the only time this has been an issue. I mean, it was an issue even in Jesus' day. The Apostle Paul, he dealt with this with uh, lots of major religions. But in our day and time, we live in an age of tolerance. We live in an age of tolerance. We live in an age of, uh, of inclusion. We live in an age where uh, exclusivity is almost like a cuss word. Like, and if you are in the faith of Christianity, it is an exclusive uh, relationship. Jesus is saying, I'm the way and I'm the only way. But we live in a pluralistic society, plural meaning many, singular meaning one, or mono meaning one. We live in a pluralistic, tolerant society. I'm supposed to respect you and your views. While that is true, it doesn't mean that your views are right. It also doesn't mean mine are right. All right? But we live in this day and age where our society is pluralistic. And so we live in this day and age where uh, can't we just all get along? And can't we all just, you know, respect each other? And can't we all? And yes, we can all get along if we would. We can all get along if we would. We can all respect each other if we would. But we live in a day and age that you don't have a right to disagree with me. You don't have a right to disagree with me, Butch. Like, I believe that Jesus is the only way. You can believe that there are many ways all you want. It doesn't make you right. But I'm not going to fight with you about it. I'm not going to unfriend you over it. I'm not going to cease doing relationships. With you, Even if you say, I don't believe in God, period, I'm not going to stop relationship with you. That's not a reason for us to stop having relationship with you. But we live in this pluralistic age where you don't have a right to disagree with me. And the only way uh, uh, for us to solve this is for you to come over to my side. For you to renounce your view and come over to my side. Now that might have been even the philosophy of the church at some point in history. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You might know, but I don't know one minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, you better believe the way I believe or we're done. You're out of here and I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I don't know a single one. Now you might know. And if they are, they're wrong. But I'm telling you, we live in this age where it suppresses differences of opinions. I'm just telling you, you can have a difference of opinion. It's not going to change the way I feel. I have had this conversation with so many people, especially during the last four years. I've had it with members of my own family. And I said, you, you, it, it's, it's like talking to a crazy person talking to a, a, a brick wall where you're trying to have conversation and it's like, but you understand what you're saying is you will not be happy unless I renounce 
my position, that I abdicate my beliefs and acquiesce, meaning I surrender to your thought. That, that's not mutual respect, my friend. Listen, Jesus never once said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and if you don't like it, you can lump it, and I won't have anything else to do with you. He never said that. As a matter of fact, Jesus was labeled the friend of sinners. He was labeled the friend of people who believe differently than him. He was able to hang out with those people, yet not submit to their school of thought. He was able to believe his beliefs and stand on those and, and uh, not um, uh, bow to another school of thought. And there were people uh, that that they didn't turn him off and there were people that did. And so when Jesus is making this bold statement in our day and time, in our cultural experience, it's like that spirit rises up in people and go, how dare you say that you're the only one? But listen, if you look at the religions of the world, let's, let's look at this for a second. There are 4,000 recognized religions in the world. 4,000 recognized religions in the world. Out of those 4,000 religions, I want you to, this is kind of scary. 75% of the earth's population, I'm getting to the scary part here in a second. 75% of, uh, of the earth's population believe in five of those. The major population, they believe in five major religions. Christianity is at the top of the list with a fairly close second Islam, Judaism, and then Buddhism and Hinduism. And then, you know, there are you know, all the rest, remainder of the 4,000 there. 75% of the earth's population believes in those five uh, major religions. Now, here's the troubling. 65% of people who self-identify, that means we don't look at you and judge you and see if you're a Christian. This means these are people that say, hey, I'm a Christian. Raise your hand if you're a Christian. I'm a, that, that would be self-identifying. You're identifying yourself based upon your life and your belief. We don't know if you are or not, uh, you know, because we don't know you, meaning the work, all of these folks, but you say you are. And 65% of self-identifying Christians believe many religions can lead to eternal life. So in other words, the basic words out of Jesus' own mouth that he said that I just showed you on the screen a few moments ago, 65% of, of those world Christians are saying, yeah, not so sure. Hold up, Jesus. We're not so sure about that. Like, we, 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 there, there's, you know, there's good in other religions. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. You know a murderer can do good things, right? Murderer can buy food for a homeless person. That's good. Is he still a murderer? Yep. You know? so, so good works have nothing to do with it. It's not by works, but by his grace. Nothing, but we just sang that. 
It's all about grace. It's all about the truth that comes from him. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and those two things lead to life. That life, as we talked about last work, that light leads to, anybody remember? Light. That life leads to light, us being the light of the world. This is, uh, this is not something that, you know, just some harebrained folks put together. This is a 2009 uh, research uh, poll put out by the Pew, Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. You can go look it up online yourself. It's an older study. Those numbers are probably higher today. All right. I want you to look at this. You ever seen this bumper sticker anywhere? Coexists. So... All the, like, can we just get along? Can we just coexist? Listen, yes, we can coexist, but coexistence and tolerance do not equal truth. As, like, we can coexist all day long. I can live beside a Hindu. I can live beside, uh, you know, somebody who worships a cow that I'm actually going to eat their God. You know, like, we, I can live next to them. And I mean, as a matter of fact, when Shay and I lived in Atlanta, one of our daughter's best friends, they were Hindu and they lived down the street, uh, the Patels and, and extremely nice people, wonderful people. And I would go into their house and they would have their shrine to their God uh, uh, or actually, I, I honestly don't even know who their God is, but to, to Buddha and uh, I, I honestly don't remember if they were Hindu or, or Buddhist or whatever, but the point being, they had their shrine in the, in the kitchen and there it was whenever we went over. And, you know, I can respect that. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying you have to do that, but we would let our child go over there and spend the night at their house, knowing that we don't believe in that version we taught, told our daughter, our children, we don't believe in that version that they believe. We don't believe that's the truth. But these are our neighbors. They're our friends. They're amazing people. Their daughter uh, went to ours. Uh, 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 sorry, their daughter came to ours. Ours went to hers. And they're adults now. And they still are friends, uh, you know, uh, all these many years. Yes, we can coexist, but coexistence and tolerance does not equate to truth. Well, there can be multiple truths, sometimes and sometimes not. There are things called absolute truth. And there is absolute truth. And that's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. But we can live in harmony. I can respect your view. I don't have to debate your view. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never went around debating religion? Never did. The only time, and I could be wrong, but you see there's not really even a debate. There is a discussion, a philosophical discussion when Paul was on top of the Acropolis at Mars Hill and he, all of the great philosophers of the day and religious uh, minds of the day of all the world religions were up there and they had all of these statues to all the different gods on this, in, in this great uh, meeting place. 
And Paul is representing Christianity, which was very new, by the way. And as a matter of fact, it was called the way. Christianity was called the way uh, when it was first started by Christ. And so he's there and he's talking to them, listening to them talk about all of their gods created. They created their gods. That right there should tell you something. Like we didn't create our God. Our God created us. And there was one that had no name. And as Paul's talking to them, he says, I see that you have an array of gods here. It's pretty impressive, boys. I even noticed that you got this one God over here. That's to, it's a, it's a, a memorial to the unknown God. And they were like, yep, yeah, that's there just in case there's one that we missed. Because we don't want to tick any of those guys off. And so he said, I'm going to tell you who the unknown God is. He's Jesus Christ, the son of God who came and he, he used that to witness to them. I don't think there was a great revival there that day. We're not told in scripture that they all got slain in the Holy Spirit and there was a mighty move of God there that day. But what Paul did is he presented his view. He presented the truth, whether they received it or not. As a matter of fact, many times in scripture, the truth was pre- presented. There was a guy named Felix that the truth was pre- presented. And, and uh, I even I can't remember which uh, Roman emperor it was at the time, but they're like, you, oh man, you are so persuasive. I am almost persuaded to believe in this Christ guy. But never in any of that did you try to see uh, the disciples, the apostles, try to make a hard sell. I don't know about you how you were trained growing up, how you were raised growing up, but I was always taught that got to close the deal. Anybody ever taught that way in, in your witnessing? It's like you got to close the deal. The pressure's on. You better witness to somebody and somebody uh, better come out of that saved. Either you need to get saved or they need to get saved. Somebody got to get saved. And if they don't get saved, you're going to get upset and you're going to start debating them. And you're going to get upset and you're going to leave and you're going to be mad and blah, blah, blah. Nowhere in scripture is that remotely a model for us. Listen, I couldn't change your mind if I tried. All I can do is present the truth to you and you receive it or you don't. That's all I can do. I'm telling you, it's actually very liberating. Uh, whenever I was a, a young minister and I was trained up under that, you, you got to get a decision. You got to, you got to, there's so much pressure to perform. And when I got liberated from that, I'm like, you know what? I can't save anybody if I tried. It's not within me. It's not, also not my responsibility. Nowhere in scripture are we told to go and get people saved. We're told to go and make disciples. We're told to go preach the gospel. Those are, be, be a witness, basically. We're going to do that in many ways. We're going to do it with our words. We're going to do it with our actions. We're going to do it sometimes with the word of God in a Bible study or, or maybe witnessing in telling my testimony or something. But at the end of the day, that's all I have to do. Boom, I've done it. The pressure is off of me. And so when we look at this pluralistic mindset, This is pervasive. It's pervasive in the church. 
It is so pervasive in the church. I saw it in my own children growing up. They could not understand. Why, Daddy, why, 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 how can we say somebody else's faith is, is wrong? How can we say somebody else's faith is not true? We, we're not saying it. The scripture says it. The scripture says this. Jesus said, I am the way. Not only did he say, I am the way, he said, I'm the only way. I, I, don't shoot the messenger. Have you ever said that to somebody? Like you got to deliver a message and it's like, you, it, you, you didn't make the message up. You're just the deliverer of the message. Like it wasn't in your power. You are just the deliverer of your message. I didn't make this up. This is from the words of Jesus himself. And here is the crazy thing about pluralism and pluralism in religion. No other religion has a Messiah like Jesus who said, I am God. John chapter 14 that I told you you can go read. He says, I am God. Like, I'm not just a man. I am God. Like, The words I speak are the words that the father spoke. The things that I do are the things when you've seen the father, you've seen me. You've seen me. You've seen the father. Muhammad does not profess to do that. Buddha does not profess to do that. Hare Krishna does not profess to do that. There is only one religion that professes to be God. And not only was he professing to be God, but he did works to back it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Bible is just written by a bunch of nuts. You know, it's just written by a bunch of people that they just made this stuff up, came together. Not true. If you are a student of, uh, of history, which I, uh, when it comes to religious history, and I know the majority of you are not, there are people outside of Christendom, outside of Christianity, that have eyewitness accounts. Josephus is one of those. These are, these are uh, historical historians that lived in the first century that did not, they were not Christians, they did not believe this. Why on earth would an unbeliever document life happenings of a man named Jesus unless they were true? Listen, not only did he say, I'm the way, I want you to look at this. The, the apostle Peter believed he was. Because Peter said this, salvation is found in no one else, not nobody, nobody, in no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other name except Jesus. The apostle Peter believed it. The apostle John believed it. In 1 John 15, uh, 5, 11, and 12, it says, and this is what God has testified. Who, got, who testified? God testified. Who said it? God said it. He said, This is what God has has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. In who? In his son. Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not, does not, uh, does not have God's son, does not have life. We're talking about eternal life. That's what we're talking about. Um, So the apostle Paul believed it. I'm just kind of knocking them down for you. The apostle Paul said, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee, every single knee will bow 
And in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. They'll either do it on this earth or they'll do it in the afterlife. The apostle Peter, the apostle John, the apostle Paul, Jesus himself, all of the disciples, every one of the disciples that died a terribly excruciating, painful martyrdom. They they gave their life up. Only people who are crazy die for a cause or they die for that cause because it's the truth. God said through his son, I'm the way and I'm the only way. Oh, but that raises his problem. But what about those who've never heard of Jesus? What about, you know, uh, uh, Simba on the African plain that never heard of Jesus before because it hadn't made it to his tribe? What about the guy on the desert island that has, is, is away from nobody can get to him? And listen, I've never heard anybody bring that argument up except to disprove the point that Jesus is the only way. I've never heard them bring it up for any other reason that I want to disprove your point. And here's what I want to say to you. Listen, this is so simple, but, but it's mind-blowing. Don't worry about those people. Stick with me a second. I don't have to explain how those people get saved. I, I don't have to explain that. Well, I want to know. Well, you're arrogant. Why am I arrogant? Because it's not your place to know. Uh, if God loves me, oh, you got to be careful how fast your mouth gets in front of you. Because just go back to scripture and go, wait, did Jesus know everything? Hmm? He did not. How dare God the Father hold something back from God the Son? But he didn't know everything. He doesn't know the time or the date which he's returning for you and me. Who are we? Who are we that we would be so ballsy and arrogant? Oops, did I just say that? Yes, I did. That we would be so arrogant that we would think that God owes us an explanation. He doesn't. All I know is God is God and he's loving and more merciful than you will ever be. He's more loving than you and I will ever be. And these scriptures that I have on the screen behind me, or if you're watching on the screen there, Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. If you seek me with your whole heart and you truly are looking for connection with God, he says, you'll find me. I don't know how, but if you're seeking me, you will find me. I do not know how that will happen. Maybe the Lord just sends Jesus face to face to that island or to Simba out on the plain. I don't know the answer to that. But guess what? I don't have to worry about it because it's none of my business. I have people in my life that there are times where it's like they just want to be in the know. I mean, I don't know that they're trying to be nosy, but they just like to be in the know. I just want to know. I want to know the details. Any of y'all in here like that? Sometimes you got to be all right with not knowing. Like, honestly, it's just really none of your business. 
I'll tell Shay sometimes, she'll be like, well, how's this going? You know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't really know. I don't really care. It's none of my business. You know, and I've just gotten to that place where I don't need to know everything. God doesn't have to explain himself to me on this. I do know that he says, I am the way. And not only am I the way, I'm the only way. Well, God, what about all those people? What about those people who've never heard? None of my business how God makes that happen. I just look at the scripture and I look at the character of our God. All right, so Jeremiah 29, 13 says, hey, if you're looking for me, you're gonna find me. If you're really, really looking for me. Romans uh, 1 and 20, Paul says, no person on the face of the planet who has ever lived ever has an excuse not to believe in the creator because the earth, the glory of God, the creation uh, itself declares his glory. So he says, nobody has an, an answer or, or an excuse, sorry, to make like, well, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm, I don't believe in God. I don't, you know, this stuff just happened. Mm-mm. He says, there's no excuse. John three sixteen says that for God so loved the world. The world includes Simba on the plains of Africa. The, 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 uh, the world in, includes the man on the island that he's never seen anybody else uh, before. The, the world is the world. It's everybody in the world. God loved that so much so that he sent his son, not many sons, one son, gave him the name above every other name so that Anybody know why? Why? So that none would perish. Like, Jesus is not like, dude, sorry. So sorry you got born on that island over there. And nobody nobody ever made it over there to you. Well, tell me how he's going to do it. It's none of your business. And I don't have to explain anything. I don't have to explain why God does the things that he does. I just know that we serve a loving God. And if he said that Jesus is the only way, he will not set somebody, hear this, he will not set somebody up for failure. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but he's gonna do it. It could possibly be like Acts chapter 10, where I'll just recap this for you really quick. There was a guy named Cornelius. Anybody remember that account? Cornelius is a God-fearing uh, Roman centurion. He's God-fearing. He's, he's a good man. He helps the homeless. He gives offerings to those in need. He's just an amazing person in the community, but he, he, he's searching for more of God. Oh, what does Jeremiah 29, 13 say? If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Oh, Cornelius is over here. He's not saved. He's, he's, he's looking for more of God. What does God do? God sends an angel to him. And an angel appears to him and says, I have a message from God himself. He says, I want you to, I want you to send over there. I think uh, uh, Peter was in Joppa. He said, there's a man named Peter that I want you to send and, and bring him here. So Cornelius didn't know uh, Peter. Peter didn't know Cornelius. He comes to his house and he's like, Tell me what the Lord has said. And he witnesses to him and his house gets saved that day. There are testimonies, guys, of, uh, of Muslims 
in Afghanistan and Iraq that, that, that are, are uh, having their own religious studies. Now, this is documented. This is people's testimony. In other words, they are self-professing. They, 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 nobody made this up about them. They said this. This is the word of their testimony. You can go online. You can uh, 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 find these testimonies yourself. These Muslims, they practice Islam. They are having their religious time. And all of the sudden, a man appears in the room that they don't know where he came from. They don't know where he came from. And he's speaking their language. And he begins to witness to them. And he says to them, they said, he told us that he was the Lord God himself. And that he witnessed the way of salvation to us and told us that he was the one true God and that what, what we were serving is, is not of him. And they gave their life. Now, this is people who had no outside experience. I didn't make it up. It's their testimony. If they're lying, they're lying. But this is their testimony. Pastor... Preacher, I just don't believe that can happen. Well, go to Acts chapter 10 right now in your Bible and just rip it out. Because I just told you uh, the, the whole story of Cornelius and how he, the Lord appeared to him and that happened. The, the, the reality though, friends, is that we have a church full of people. I don't mean necessarily here today, but I'm sure some of y'all are here. But we have a church globally full of people that do not believe the word of God. And they do not serve the Christ of the scriptures. They serve their own kind of buffet version of, of Christ. But they do not serve. Wouldn't it be terrible if we all got to heaven and I go up to, and, and y'all are witnessing it. We're all standing. We're ready. I mean, it's fixing to be left and right time. Are you following me? I mean, we're standing before the Lord and it's fixing to be depart from me or, or, or welcome on in. Wouldn't it be horrible if I stood before the Lord and y'all are back there and, and y'all are going, let's see what's going to happen here. It's going to be exciting. And I'm, I'm like, you know, what's up? Reporting for duty. I don't really know what to do. I've never been here. Um, Depart from me like you over here with the goats. I'm like, oh, wait, hey, I was the pastor of Destiny Church for 47 years. I planted it in my house. I gave my whole life to you. I've done these things. You know how many mission trips I've been on? It's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Like, this way. Some, Paul, Peter, help him. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? That if I get to the end of my life and I have subscribed to a version of Jesus that I wanted to subscribe to instead of the true version of who he really is. I'm telling you, if you can grasp your mind around what I'm, I'm telling you, you can, you can rest secure in that God knows what's best. His ways are higher than our ways. I don't have to worry about Simba on the African savannah. I don't have to worry about the little guy on the island that's never seen another person. I don't have to worry about them. 
Because they're God's son and not mine. They're God's daughter and not mine. He's, they're his creation and not mine. God is going to take care of his own. And he is going to be merciful. And he's going to be just. And we could sit around here and go, let's just think up wild ways that God will save them. It's a waste of time. Why? Because it's none of my business. My business is just to believe the truth. I ain't got to argue with you. I don't have to hate you. Because you believe differently than me. I don't have to uh, try to uh, explain why you're going to hell. Uh, you know, if you don't believe. I, I, don't have to, I don't have to get into that. Because like, I don't know where you're going to spend eternity. God knows. And ultimately, you will know as well. Nobody goes to hell on accident. Nobody. That's not the kind of God we serve. All right, let me wrap this up. Jesus is the way in. Jesus is the way through. He said in Psalm 23, he said, even though I walk through the darkest valley of my soul, of my life, even, I, listen, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what, how bad it is. I, I care, but what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things what you are going through. It could be the worst health crisis that you're going through, the worst relationship crisis that you're going through, the worst financial crisis, the worst spiritual, emotional, whatever it might be. It can be the worst one you've ever been through. And this is what the scripture says. He says that you don't have to fear any evil. You don't have to fear that situation for God himself. The Lord is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Whatever you're going through, I'm telling you, when you are in Christ, he's there with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you walk through me, when you come into the kingdom through me, I am walking with you every single step of the way. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. I've been through some dark times in my life. I've been through some crazy times in my life. I, but, but then I look at other people like uh, our, our good friends, Quentin and uh, Sierra and I go, I've never lost a child like that before. And I hope that I never do. I look at my mom who is 88 years old and she's buried three of her children, my siblings already. I hope I never experienced some of those dark valleys. But whatever your valley is, I have seen people who are faith people. And we are like how Paul tells the Thessalonians. He says, we're not like people without any hope. Once we are in Christ, we grieve differently. We handle situations differently. We handle trials differently because he is there with me. The peace speaker is there with us. So, so whatever you're going through, I want you to hopefully just remind yourself. And I'm telling you something as simple as writing yourself a post-it because I don't know about y'all, but I'll get in a situation and my brain goes out the window. Anybody in here like that? I'll forget stuff. I'm not one of these quick-witted persons where somebody's wanting to try to debate me or offended with me. And, you know, they come with the arsenal and it's like, I mean, they done shot me up. And I'm sitting there going, I can't think of one single thing. Put you a post-it. Put it on your dashboard. If you're going through a moment, a, a valley, put it, put it, put it on the back of your toilet, 
Put it on, in, on your shower head. Put it in your, on your car mirror. And just simply say, the Lord is with me. He's Emmanuel. He's with me. God, I've, I've done this myself because it's, it's so important. I don't feel him. Your feelings will fool you. Can I just tell y'all, somebody needs to hear this real quick. Your intellect will fool you. Your intellect will fool you. Jesus himself said that I'll use, I'll, I'll use um, just silly things to confound wise people. I'll use very simple things to confound wise people. You ever notice like man always tries to make something harder than it is. Man always tries to get in. And I mean, it's like, it's really not that hard, but we're going to make it hard. We're going to make it complicated. And it's like, no, it don't need to be three steps. We need to make it 42. It need to be 42 action steps to this plan. You know, no, we don't need one scripture. We need, you know, 16. No, it's just simple. It's simple. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil because God's with me. So Jesus is the way through. Not only is he the way through, but he's the way out. And this is what the word says. Paul says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation. That word there is piramas in Greek. It really means trial. We think of temptation. It's not the best translation. We think of temptation as, uh, you know, someone trying to, you know, come on to me sexually, or we think of temptation as like, oh, I got to have me a drink, you know, uh, and those are. But the word piramas there is, he will not let the piramas, he will not let the trial, the struggle be more than you can stand. Because when you are struggling, when you are burdened down with all the, the, the weight of the things, he said, I will show you a way out so that you can endure. He's the way out. God will show you the way out. I promise you, hang on. He's with you and he'll make a way. We sing that song, uh, he's a way maker, and that's true. God is a way maker. He will make a way. And some of y'all hadn't experienced that in your life yet. But I have. I've experienced times in my life where I do not know how this is going to happen. And I, I, God, I don't, they just told me how much money it's going to cost for me. I don't have $10,000. I don't have $10,000. And a man walks up to me that barely knows me, says, I don't know why, but God told me to give you a vehicle. I got two vehicles. They're as good or better than the one you're giving me. He's like, I know you have two vehicles. This one is, you can sell it. There's no strings attached. Why are you giving me a vehicle? I don't know. I wanted to give it to somebody else. But my wife came in. He, he said, I wanted to give it to somebody else who I think needs it more than you. But I prayed about it and the Lord said, give it to Pastor Rife. And he said, so I just didn't say anything. And my, mom, my, my wife comes downstairs and says, you know, the strangest thing, the Lord's telling me we need to give that to Pastor Rife. He's like, you're not going to believe it. That's what God said to me. And he tells me, this is, he tells me you can sell it. There's no strings attached. It's worth $10,000 blue book value. You can probably get more, but you can get at least $10,000. 
he made a way for me where Shay and I didn't have $10,000. God will just make ways for you. He'll just make a way. He'll make a way through and he'll make a way out. And if you'll believe, he will make this happen. I'm telling you, I have said things here in this church to church people in the last uh, uh, week or so. And if you're watching, this may be you. But I've said to people that have said, it looks bad. It looks really bad. The doctors seem scared. And I'm like, I don't even understand all of that. It's way over my head. I'm not a doctor, but I do know the one who created the doctor. I know the one who created you. I know that that tumor is trespassing in your body. And I do know this, that we'll speak to that thing and say that it's dead and we'll call life into your body. And here we are a couple of weeks later and it's like, yay, God, totally not benign, totally uh, gone, you know, just... Like God will make a way. He will, he will do that if we hold on to him. And so this is the last one. And Jesus is the way maker. Look at this. He says, I tell you the truth. Jesus is speaking. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the father. Jesus said that you and I are going to do the same works he did and greater. We're going to have more opportunity. See, he's up in heaven doing his next assignment. And he left this thing down here in our charge. And he's like, you're going to have so much, you're going to have so many more years in ministry on the earth than I had. You're going to have so many, much, much greater opportunities. And he's like, I'm the way maker. And this is really how you know who you are in Christ. If you know who Jesus is, then you know who you are. Whatever the king looks like, that's what you look like. Whatever your creator looks like, that's what you look like. So guess what? If he's a way maker, then what am I? I'm a way maker. And I want us to tap into this. Yesterday, Shay's mom just uh, happened to be passing through town and she spent the night with us. And she begins to tell me, she gave me the permission to share this little story. She begins to tell us about helping someone in her family um, that needed some help. They needed a car, and uh, so she went there to help them find a car. So this is one of her grandchildren. And she's just looking at it and going, Lord, I know this is going to be a long, drawn-out day. Anybody ever tried to find a car on a budget? I mean, it's bad enough if you got some money, but when you're trying to find a car on a budget... And she's, she's like, I just know cars are not available right now because of all of the, you know, supply issues and stuff. And she's like, I just, I, I just dread this long, drawn-out day. And she's like, Lord, I need, we, we need you. And so she goes to the town where uh, grandson is, and she's like, well, you know what? I just want to run by the dealership that I used to deal with when I, when I lived here. And I'm just going to ask them, and I'm just going to ask them, can you just, if we go out here and search for cars because I trust y'all, could I just, even though we're not going to buy it from you, can I just, based on our relationship, come and tell you what the car is, what yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, how much are you wanting to spend? And she told him how much. Um, she thought, you know, that they could afford. And he's like, 
I have exactly what you need right here on the lot. And he, I forget what model it was. It's a Malibu, uh, Chevrolet Malibu, I think. And it was 2000 something, and a fairly new car, uh, low mileage, one owner. You see, and, and he's like, all of this. And he said, as a matter of fact, one of our salesmen, one of their employees there, bought this car for for his foster son and something happened and it fell through. So they had already done every, I mean, this is, you know, the people at the dealership ain't messing themselves over. This car was suited for somebody at the dealership. And so they had it all set up. And so she's like, God, thank you. We, I thought we were going to be out all day. And just like that, we had a car. God made a way. But listen to this. Now, God made a way for her, but God also made a way for her to be a way maker. Because how much is this car going to be? And I might have the figures wrong. That's not important, but I might have the figures wrong. Less than $10,000. I don't know, eight, nine, whatever. Well, the grandson only has $3,500. So he's going to have to go try to get a loan on, you know, on whatever his income is, yada, yada, yada. It's going to be a hurdle. But what happens is grandma steps in and she's like, I'm going to make the difference up because I did it for my other grandkids, but I haven't done it for you. God made a way for her to be a way maker. This is so incredible because the grandson is the recipient of the grandmother's favor. The grandmother is the recipient of God's favor, which really makes the son, the grandson the recipient of God's favor. Isn't it beautiful? And so I want you to look at this. This is a key point I want to leave with you today. Jesus is the way maker who makes me a way maker. Real quick, Jesus is the way maker. He's the only one. You and I are not the way maker. He's the only way maker. But he makes us a way maker. You are somebody's way. You are somebody's answer to prayer. You are somebody's solution. We have some of some of the men in the church this week have had the opportunity to be a way maker for another man. God has put the opportunity in our, in our hands. And it's like, thank you, God, for opportunity. And so here's how I want to close this out. First, I want you to say that key with me. You ready? Jesus is the way maker who makes me a way maker. All right, let's look at this real quick. So how do I activate the word today? One is accept Jesus as your savior and make him Lord over your life. Stop living buffet Jesus lifestyle. I like this part of Jesus and mm -mm, not that one. I like, give me some of this one and this one. No, Jesus said, you'll have all of me or you'll have none of me. Accept it and just say, I don't even know what parts of Jesus, like, I'm serious. I don't even know what parts of Jesus that I might have mixed up. Then seek him. 
Jeremiah 29, 13, seek him and he'll show you. He'll straighten out that, those, those ways of thinking that are, are not right. And he won't desert you while you're in the process. Why? Because the scripture says, let every man work out his own salvation. Some are going to get it fast. Some are going to get it at a different tempo. And God's totally fine with that. But move closer to him. And then this is the second thing. Watch for opportunities. Watch for opportunities to be the way maker in people's lives and take action. I can't tell you how many times God showed me opportunities and I didn't take action. I'm like, somebody, I don't have the money for that or somebody else more qualified is gonna do it or you know, somebody else has got this covered. Well, look for opportunities. Don't do it in a passive way like, I'm just going to, you know, I mean, God open my eyes and make me alert. If Listen, I don't get into my car. I'm not fixing to finish church and go get in my car and go, uh, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to hope I don't hit anything. I'm, I'm going to hope I, I see the red lights and the green lights and the yellow lights. I, I, I just, I'm going to get in there and I hope. No, I'm going to get in my car And I'm going to intentionally look for other cars. I'm going to intentionally look for danger. I'm going to intentionally look at the lights. I'm going to intentionally look at my speed limit. Not pay attention to it, but I'm going to look at my speed limit. That just went over y'all's heads. Look for opportunities. Because they're all around you. And when God shows you something, do something. Well, Pastor Rife, I, I can't do all that. Do something. Do something. Last week, right back there standing, I was talking to some people and the Lord spoke to me. And I'm, I, I thank the Lord that I'm getting better at, at hearing and activating it quickly and not try to figure it out in my head. The Lord spoke to me and I'm like, ah, but that, the Lord said, and I, I'm not saying this for you for, to build me up. I'm just giving you an example. The Lord said, Go get that money in your wallet and give to these people. And I'm like, that's not enough money. Like, I don't even know what their needs are, but it's a lot. There's 11 of them. This is not going to be enough. And the Lord said, don't worry about it being enough. I just asked you to do this. Will you do it? And I'm like, oh, hang on. I need to run to my office real quick. And I just did it. And you know what? I don't have to worry about if it's enough or not. I just need to worry about that God made a way for me to be a way maker in that moment. And I'm not in charge of how God makes up the rest. There, there could be somebody at the interstate, at the gas station, at the rest, like that he's spoken to them. But watch for opportunities for you to be a way maker. And when he does that, guys, do not hesitate. Just act on it. Don't let shame, don't let scarcity, don't let inadequacy hold you back. You act on it. And you just go, God, I gave you my best. So I love you. Today, know that he's the way. Know that he's the only way. And know that we don't have to worry about the people that never heard of Jesus' name. 
He's going to figure out a a way to make that right. He's going to do it. Why? Because he's daddy God and all creation are his children and his ways are higher than our ways.